Hello, friends. Hello. It is 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on Good Friday. Happy Good Friday to you all. So you have probably already heard some wonderful seven last sayings of Christ at your churches or your friends' churches or your mama's churches or your grandmama's churches or grandpa or deacon, uh, uncle deacon's churches. And um, I am not today going to give any of the seven last words because there are more than capable ministers. I watched a few of the um, anointed women of God who uh, did seven last words this morning. And I am not in any way going to attempt to address that. I am not that. I am not a licensed minister. I am not a preacher, a reverend, reverend. Um, so, but I am a sister who loves the Lord and loves the Bible. And I am coming to you today to talk about Good Friday, something that happened on Good Friday that we actually don't talk about too often. But before we get started, and the last time I was on, I recognized I have not been starting with prayer and we can't do anything without prayer. Amen. So, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come before your people, whoever may watch this video or listen to this podcast, that they may be blessed to know that you died on Good Friday, but the story was not finished. And Lord, that there were people who loved you so much that they cared about the state of your body. So Lord, we will bless you. We will give you glory. We will give you honor. And I pray that someone might be saved and that someone who is saved would be revived by the knowledge of knowing that you are indeed Lord and that though you died, you will not stay there. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray with thanksgiving and bless you, God. Amen. So today, friends, my scripture, I'm going to start and you know what I need. You know, I need my glasses, right? So I'm going to start with today's scripture and it comes from the book of John chapter 19. And it says, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate if he could remove the body of Jesus. Pilate gave permission. So he went and took the body away. Nicodemus, the man who had previously come to Jesus at night, accompanied Joseph, carrying a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about 75 pounds. Then they took Jesus's body and wrapped it with the aromatic spices in strips of linen cloth, according to the Jewish burial customs. Amen. Hey, how you doing, sis? So look, I wanted to talk to you about rich people's problems. Now, I don't have rich people's problems, and I'm going to tell you why, because I'm not rich. Amen. But this week, rich people and their problems have actually been getting on my nerves. First of all, there was that Lori Lachlan and her husband. And if you don't know who she is, she's um, Aunt Becky from um, Full House. And she and her husband paid a whole lot of money, over $500,000 for her daughters who could not get in because of their brains or study habits, um, pay for them to get into uh, USC. University of California, you know, Southern California, right? So they pay for them to get into Southern California, which is you can't pay for people to get into school like that's bribery and it's illegal. So Lori Lachlan and her husband um, 
in true rich people fashion said, no, I'm not guilty because rich people, you know, don't do nothing wrong. Right. So and rich people can afford lawyers who help them get out of situations that they got themselves in. See, that's rich people problems, because if you're poor and you're accused of something, you probably have to plead guilty, even though you really are not guilty. But in that case, they are guilty and they say they're not. Anyway, rich people problems. I only want to deal with that. I, I'm done with her. Then there's the basketball players, right? So I've had some little minor skirmishes on Facebook with some folks this week because two of my favorites from the Philadelphia 76ers, and I don't want to hear no stuff from you nine Sixers fans on my timeline about anything about my Sixers because only people who are Sixers fans can talk to me about my Sixers, right? I'll go back and forth with them. But if you're not a Sixers fan, I will delete you. I'm just saying. Anyway, my Sixers, a couple of my Sixers, two of my favorites, actually, just they were clowning. And the fact that they were clowning is because, one, they're young, they're immature, but two, because they're rich. They got rich people problems. So don't come at me, rich little young men, who because you make money because you can play basketball. Don't come at, you know, us, the fans. And yes, in Philadelphia, we boo our teams. Don't get upset that we booed you. Just play better. That's all I'm saying. And then don't clown other people. That's all I'm saying. And if you got a problem with it, that's rich people's problems, right? Yeah. So then, then the third thing that happened this week, rich people problems, was this. Everyone knows that the Notre Dame Cathedral burned earlier uh, this week in Paris, France. And what happened after that? Well, I want to read to you what happened. It says, Francois... Henri Pinot, of course, I'm not French. I'm not going to say it right. France's second richest man put up an eye-popping 100 million euros to rebuild Notre Dame. Just as firefighters were dousing the last flames at the cathedral early Tuesday morning, because the fire was Monday, right? Y'all remember? Not to be outdone, Bernard Arnault, France's wealthiest scion and a fierce rival to Mr. Pinot, or Pinot, um, and to his father, Francois Pinault, upped the ante with a 200 million euro gift a few hours later. So the first 100 euro, uh, euro was met by 200 euro. And they're fighting. Really? We're fighting over how much money we're going to give? And I have to give more than you? See, that's rich people's problems to me. And I don't understand. Frankly, I clown them because we have some, we have some uh, churches that were burned in Louisiana. And where are the rich people in the United States given to that? That's what I wanted to know. Like, what's up with the rich people? And everything that I have to say about rich people, I mean, if they have a problem with it, to me, it's just rich people's problems, right? I don't understand rich people's problems. And I was really good this week with clowning rich people because I'm not a rich person until last night when I was at Maundy Thursday services, which if you don't know what that is, that's the foot washing services reenactment of what when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples uh, at the good at the Last Supper and at that service last night our pastor Alan Waller made this comment he said you cannot choose who you minister to well thank you I didn't really want to hear that or need to hear that but actually I did need to hear it because the fact is we also need to minister to rich people and Jesus did so much so that he had rich people who followed him. One of them was Joseph of Arimathea. And that's the Joseph who was in the scripture today. The Joseph who, when Jesus died, he was watching and he realized between the burial, excuse me, the death of Jesus and 
what they didn't know was coming, the resurrection, this man realized something has to happen with his body. See, the Romans would have left Jesus on the cross for the birds, the fowl of the air, and the animals to ravage his body, which was really used as a way to tell people, don't do what this dude did because your body will end up like this too. It was used as a deterrent. But Joseph of Arimathea, in true rich people fashion, had created, crafted, dug out, so to speak, had built a tomb probably for himself. Some people say Joseph of Arimathea was elderly or an older man, maybe even a middle-aged man. Somebody who was probably thinking about his own death. And therefore, he had this tomb built, his own tomb. It was a new tomb. No one had been laid in it because it was his tomb. He was clearly still alive. So he, who had been, as the Bible tells us, a secret follower of Christ, he decided right when Jesus died, which was 3 p.m., on Good Friday, which is why I started at 3 p.m. today, he went and sought to obtain the body of Christ. Now, here's another rich people situation because the average person couldn't go and ask for the body of Christ. It had to take someone who had position. And Joseph of Arimathea was a member of the Sanhedrin. That means the council, kind of like Congress. They were people who were like legislature or the court and they decided they were actually the group who decided that Jesus would be crucified. It is written that and suggested that Joseph probably did opposed it. Right. But he was a secret follower of Christ, as the Bible tells us. And he went boldly and asked for the body of Christ, but not just him. He didn't just remove Jesus by himself after he got permission. Nicodemus also helped him. Here's another rich man. These two might have been the two richest, two of the three richest in the area, just like these two Frenchmen, they came together in a way to get, obtain the body of Jesus Christ and not to be outdone. Nicodemus, and you remember Nicodemus, he's the one in chapter three of John, went to Jesus and said, oh, Rabbi, we know you are a son of God. And Jesus said to him, you must be born again. And then Nicodemus said, can I re-enter my mother's womb? Good question, right? Well, this that same Nicodemus who came to Jesus in the secret of night, in the dark of night, now he's Nicodemus openly helping to take Jesus down from the throne, from the cross. And these two take down Jesus' body, but not to out uh, for Joseph to be outdone. Nicodemus now brings 75 pounds of spices and aroma, uh, excuse me, aromatics to... Um, Make sure that the body of Jesus is uh, covered, that it is preserved, that his body does not decay. And they come together to do this. Kind of, in a way, rich people's problems. Why? Because these two were member of the, members of the Sanhedrin. They had been secret followers of Christ. And now by doing this, they are publicizing that they are devotees of the Lord Jesus Christ putting themselves in real danger, putting themselves in danger of being excluded or possibly on trial themselves for following Christ and not just following, but making sure that Jesus' body was preserved, putting him in a tomb. But more than that, here's what's wonderful about these two rich people. They did not care. They did not care at this point 
that their richness and their privilege put them in a position where they were also out front. Now, the whole term rich people's problems, if you didn't know, came from a book that was written in about 2007. And the book was called Rich People's Problems. And it chronicles some rich people who had problems, namely people who were not rich invading their territory, possibly coming into and changing their lives. That book would become a movie and the movie is a good one, is called Crazy Rich Asians. So if you've seen the movie, you know what the story is about. And I raise that only to say that these two, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had a similar problem, but they overcame the problem because the not so rich person who invaded their lives and who changed their lives forever was in fact Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus, they took this bold step to get outside of their richness to be ministered to by him. And because he changed their lives, they risked everything to take his body and to make sure his body would be wrapped in linens and placed in a tomb, a borrowed tomb, a new tomb, a tomb in which no one had ever been laid before, setting the groundwork for what would happen on Sunday when Jesus got up. And the fact that he got up is significant because he got up out of a tomb that had never been used before, meaning that the tomb had not the stench or the remnants of someone else, namely like an Isaiah, excuse me, Elijah or Moses, who could have been the prophet that actually helped him rise. It had never been uh, uh, the bones of another person. Another sinner had never been in this tomb. So Jesus's uh, sinless bones were the only bones that had ever been in this tomb. And that, of course, my friends, is significant. These two rich people who risked their lives in such a way that only rich people would have been affected because you and I risk in our lives. Who cares? Right. But these two, these two risked their lives so that Jesus body would be taken from the cross, put in a tomb that the prophecy would be fulfilled. So remember, my friends, that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter even if you're rich and you may be saying, I'm not rich. Oh, but my friends, if you've ever traveled around the world, you know that those of us here in the United States are rich. And not only that, we're rich because we know the Savior. See, that's the magnificent thing about this. These two were not rich only because they had money and influence and power. They were rich because they had the Savior. And you too are rich if you know Jesus Christ. You're rich with his spirit. You're rich with his love. And you are covered by the blood of Christ, which makes you rich. If you don't know Jesus, however, then you are suffering, my friend. But you can know him just like Joseph and Nicodemus. When Nicodemus asked, what must I do? When Jesus told him how you uh, receive eternal life, it is still true. You must be born again. And how do you do that? You accept this same Jesus whose body they took down from the cross on Good Friday and laid in the tomb that, that evening. 
If you believe that that happened, if you believe that he died and that he suffered on the cross and that he was placed in this borrowed tomb and that, oh, on this coming Sunday, three days later, he rose with power. If you believe that and ask him into your life, then guess what, my friend? You will be counted among the rich, rich in the salvation of Jesus Christ. Well, listen, that's all I have. And those are the kinds of problems of rich people I gladly take on. And so my friends, today, I wish you a wonderful Good Friday. I will not be on tomorrow because it is the Saturday after Good Friday, the day when Jesus was in the tomb. It is the day we call Silent Saturday. And so I will be silent, but I'll be back real soon. And I wish you a very, very, very blessed and glorious and joyous Resurrection Sunday in a couple days. I will see you soon. And I pray that you are blessed. In the name of Jesus, take care and God bless you. Amen.